Welcome to the Celebration Sessions with myself, Connor Clear. The Celebration Sessions is a podcast unpacking life, loss and love. As I step further into the world of celebrancy, I want to look at how we celebrate, how we fall in love, the milestones we mark and how we can talk about the inevitable loss we'll meet along the way. This is my exploration into the beauty of it all. It's a reminder of the positivity that can come from making the most of the important times. Above all, a reminder of how important it is now more than ever to celebrate. This is the Celebration Sessions podcast. Hello there and welcome once again to the Celebration Sessions podcast. Thanks so much for hitting download. Delighted to have you along with me today. Um, Before we jump into this, first of all, um, I'm still getting lots of feedback about episode 11 where I chatted to Tanya Bryan, an end of life uh, companion and doula about the role. And really, I guess how we can just arm ourselves with the vocabulary to talk about those final days. A fascinating episode. It's still there to click onto and have a listen to, so do check that out. But really, thank you so much for all of your messages into the Celebration Sessions Instagram page. Of course, I love hearing from you all, so do keep in touch. And um, yes, as I career towards 40, I never thought I'd come out with these words, but please do like and subscribe to get notified uh, when I have a new episode. And of course, you can rate and review the podcast as well. And I think it's easy enough to do uh, on platforms like um, Apple Podcasts. Uh, but of course, join me on Instagram as well, where you can join in the conversation. Now, down to this episode, I'm turning my attention to love and we're looking at the literature of love. So some of literature's greatest lovers, some of our favourite readings and really the best place as well to go, I think, to find some inspiration for your wedding ceremony as well. And I'm delighted to be joined by the owner of the wonderful Gutter Bookshop, uh, Two Branches, Cows Lane in Temple Bar and Railway Road in Dorky as well. Bob Johnson. Bob, welcome. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. I know I know we're talking all about love and, and stuff today. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me on. And hopefully we'll find some... Um, some nice inspirational things for people. And I'll try not to be too cynical and, and downbeat. I promise. I promise I'll be a good boy. <laughs> it's a deal. It's a deal. Listen, I'm delighted you're here. I, I, I don't know where to start, really. Um, I know the world of literature provides such a rich resource, really, for readings and the likes, when, certainly when planning a ceremony. But what is it? Like, why do people really love a bit of literature at a wedding? I, I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I was thinking when we were talking about what we might chat about today, I was thinking, you know, you go to weddings, you go to ceremonies like that, and inevitably somebody reads a poem, which is lovely. We love poems. It's fantastic. But so few people read poetry as part of normal life, not as part of their normal reading routine, if there's such a thing as a reading routine. So there seems to be something about poetry that speaks to occasions and to something bigger and something, you know, it speaks to us. And I was thinking, you know, um, Amanda Gorman, who spoke at Joe Biden's inauguration um, and the poem that she read, her poem, The Hill We Climb, and it got such a huge reaction at that point. And there's something about poems and special occasions 
um, that really seems to speak to people, um, and not just because they're shorter than a big long book for people to read. I think it's um, it's interesting, isn't it? I just found it very interesting about how we use poetry to mark mm. a special occasion. Um, so yeah. yeah, so that that one was kind of dwelling in my head, I suppose. Yeah, that is a gorgeous one. I have to say, I do like that. And similarly, in fact, if you remember, what comes to mind now is the Reverend at Harry and Meghan's wedding, Reverend Curry. Now, to be fair, his sermon his sermon did go on for quite some time, uh, but there were some gorgeous nuggets in there talking about the power of love. It's flashes or the flashes of fire. It was really, really beautiful. Yeah, I, I now I have to be honest, I didn't watch Harry and Meghan's wedding. I'm sorry, I'm a bad man. But um <laughs> but yes, I do remember that being talked about. I just I yeah, I find it um I find it very interesting that, you know, that poems speak to people and poems about love, obviously. We're talking about the meaning of love and I think a lot of the poetry that gets read at these kind of ceremonies is about how love isn't necessarily easy, but it's important and it's one of those, it's a binding thing, you know, these things that we talk about. And I think it's a deeper look for people at love and what love actually means and what being married means or what being, you know, being part of a specific occasion means to people. And I think that's one thing that poetry does, isn't it? It kind of drills down into um to what things actually mean in an accessible way but it kind of makes us think it makes us think about actually what we're committing to or what we're doing in that place at that time and i think there are writers and poets as well who have just so succinctly they've just nailed it and articulated it so beautifully about you know different aspects of it positive and negative you know the different sides of it Yes, I mean, we're, you know, we talk about wedding ceremonies and poems being popular. I know Scaffolding by Seamus Heaney. I mean, oh, yes. Seamus yeah. Heaney, I, God love him. He gets rolled out for every special occasion, doesn't he? Um, but it's because <laughs> he speaks to us and he speaks to us in a language that people understand. It's not highfalutin language. It's very straightforward, yeah. but it's it's quite deep and it's meaningful. Um, and I was thinking about, yeah, popular maybe popular poems that people choose and obviously scaffolding is a huge one and is used at weddings for good reason it's an amazing poem um wb yates uh, a poet to his beloved which is slightly more traditional i suppose you would say for poetry um again incredibly popular and both irish poets obviously and as we know um the irish kind of rule the waves of poetry in many ways because of their love of language and their love of the use of words and and what they can mean. Um, so yeah, I, I I think a poem as a reading at a wedding or at a funeral or at any kind of occasion um, brings a certain gravitas, um, but it also is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful shaping of words to something that um, people can relate to. Yes. Now you have hit the nail on the head there because you've used two words there, which I love, and that's beauty and gravitas and I think they are certainly the two things that a good reading can bring uh, to to your ceremony Um, and in fact Bob now (laughs) I want to ask you as the owner of the Gutter Bookshop and with your years of experience now in in literature tell me here's a question in your opinion what do you think is the greatest love story? 
Ah, oh, that's like asking a bookseller what their favourite book is. We don't, we don't <laughs> There's hundreds of brilliant love stories. I mean, I have to be honest, I am a classics fan. I run a classics book club. Indeed. So I do love Wuthering Heights, Jane Eyre, Jane Austen. You know, I love the classic love stories. Dr. Zhivago, um, in fairness, um, Dr. Zhivago was a bit of a hard slog, but I did read it. And it was good. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think, I think there's so many beautiful stories i have to be honest when people say to me what your fa- what is your favorite book the one i always come back to is a book called breathing lessons by ann tyler which okay. is about a marriage and it's about a marriage that's gone on for i think about 50 years at that stage and it's at that level of marriage where you know if the husband hums a song the wife will automatically recognize what that song is and know what he's thinking in his head and will then turn around and yes. say, well, why are you angry with me? Just because he's hummed a specific <laughs> verse from a specific song, she can read that. And I love that idea of um, relationships as they progress and go through the years about how people understand each other yeah. to that kind of stuff. So that's a love story in its different way. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think somebody was saying on the radio the other day is just, you know, put love into a song and you're guaranteed a hit. And I was thinking, you know, the human nature is we're we're obsessed with love about how people fall in love, what being love means. I mean, obviously, at the minute, Bridgerton is huge, uh, you know, and they've just released all the big eight Bridgerton books. And it's a huge hit on Netflix and it's all about love and romance. And people need that. People, And let's face it, people are inherently nosy. They want to know about other people's relationships and other people's love and how it works. So, you know, that's part of the human condition as well, just being very nosy. This is very true. Uh, very true. Now, you mentioned, in fact, Jane Austen, Emily Bronte there. Here's a question. Now, somewhat rhetorical, right? So this is just a train of thought. <laughs> You're the expert uh, and you're going to correct me and tell me if I'm wrong. Please do. But is there a difference then between romance and love? And and the reason I ask that, because <laughs> here's my thesis. And again, please do tell me I'm wrong. When you've got writers like Jane Austen and Emily Bronte, why do I feel that they write romance stories and then you've got writers like you know somebody like Shakespeare of course who gave us Romeo and Juliet who write raw love stories that you know you know what I'm trying to get out of here the difference then between just light and fluffy romance and love yeah but I think if you look at Jane Austen and you look at the Brontes in many ways it's about unrequited love and it's about harsh love and about um not knowing if somebody loves you. And so it's actually, it's, it depends how you look at romance in a way, doesn't it? It's kind of, it's, a, it's you know, you look at um, Heathcliff and, you know, he's not a romantic figure or Darcy or, um, you know, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? It's something about that feelings, that internalised feelings of love for somebody else that are unrequited, but in a way you just don't know if they love you or not back. So it's that feeling. Um, So I don't know what that says about why have they become close? Why are we obsessed with the idea that we love somebody else, but we don't know if they love us? I suppose that's a, that's a, that's a big thesis, isn't it? I'm not even sure I'm going to go there. Um, (laughs) Well, I guess it is part of the human condition. really, isn't it? Exactly. But it is interesting. I mean, I suppose a lot of us read those books as teenagers when we're first discovering what love might be or what a relationship might be and the idea that you can secretly love somebody else but not know if they love you back 
is kind of that first step in starting a relationship where somebody then has to reciprocate, I suppose. So um, I don't know. That's my thesis now, isn't it? God, look, we're, <laughs> we're, do, we're diving deeply into psychology, but neither of us are on a steady hill there. So, um, But I was trying to think about sort of more contemporary love stories as well. So again, popular ones at weddings, Captain Corelli's Mandolin, I know, gets used quite a lot. It's a very popular one. Um, we have to mention The Notebook by Nicholas Sparks, one of my most hated books. But, oh, really? <laughs> but loved by so many. Um, so, what, you know, that's it. And also The Alchemist by uh, Paolo Coelho, of course, again, used Indeed. heavily at weddings. And another book I have very little time for, but you know, but really? it has a lot of fans out there and each to their own. That's all I'm saying. I know, um, but it is, it's it's always a common one. And I actually have that on my list uh, as well that I was going <laughs> to throw at you because I, I think he just managed to articulate it just so well. It's, it's, it's quite beautiful, I, I found. And in fact, here's something what I noticed actually when I was putting this together and I was having to think and I said okay well okay what do I think is my favorite love story and I started to scoot through a few different ones in my head and they all had an element of tragedy to them so yeah I went straight to Romeo and Juliet because you know it's just such a beautiful love story it ends in tragedy Uh, another one I found that I I really loved um, and in fact I wonder would you even consider it a a real love story but I found The Great Gatsby a a super book and I did it in school I've I've always um, engaged with it but it is that sense of unrequited love which ultimately ends in tragedy as well that I always I was always really drawn to. Uh, so, yeah, The Great Gatsby, I, I love that one as well. Yeah, I, I love a, a tragic story, it has to be said. I'm drawn to anything that makes me cry. So um, I was thinking when I think of the big love stories that I've read recently that I've loved, um, mm-hmm. A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara, um, okay. which is the most devastating book that made me sob on the dart on the way into work, um, much to my embarrassment. I mean, but it's a stunning love story. Um, yeah, you know, there's a book called uh, The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay, which is about the AIDS crisis in America. Obviously, everybody's talking about it's a sin. Of course, um, but yeah. this, the, um, the Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay is a love story set around the AIDS crisis in the US. And inevitably, it does not end well. Um, but it's an amazing love story, you know? So so there, I, yeah, I love a bit of tragedy too. But, you know, again... I think we're, we're drawn to things that make us experience emotion in some way. So, and, that, and you know, reading books is a safe way to do that. You know, I, a book can make us cry. It can make us happy. But we explore that feelings in a very safe space when you're reading a book. Because if it gets too much, you just put the book down, you know. So, um, so you know, that, that, and that's, that's a way we find out about love, isn't it? We read about it. We yeah, read about yeah, love yeah, stories yeah. and about romance and, you know. Um, it may, helps us understand about how it all works. Yeah, well, look, that is that is a good point. Um, now, we had almost started to, to step into some readings there. I think I'm the one who pulled it back, so I'm sorry about that. But you mentioned uh, Paolo Coelho, The Alchemist. Um, there are some books that provide really gorgeous extracts and different pieces that can be used as readings then in ceremonies. So what would your standout ones be? So I was thinking about, um, yeah, the... the sort of readings that we love and, and say poetry is very popular um one of my favorites which is a more contemporary poem is called buried light by Bo taplin um and it's very short which we everybody loves a short reading at a wedding or whatever so so the reading is um home is not where you are from 
It is where you belong. Some of us travel the whole world to find of it. Others find it in a person. Oh, lovely. And that's it. It's very simple, very straightforward. I like I like plain it's speaking really nice. things. I think, you know, um, it's just what works for me. I think um, I know what I, I got married a few years ago and um, my niece read at our wedding and we got her, God love her, we got her to read a poem called Your Personal Penguin by Sandra uh, Sandra Boynton, which is actually a children's book. And as you can imagine, it's it, it basically says, I'll be your personal penguin. Um, oh. It's about unending love. It's just lovely little short bits. And I think, again, I, I was thinking, you know, children's books and children's stories are actually quite popular for readings and again it's something that everybody can relate to because these kind of ceremonies have everybody from very young children to very old people you know and it's something people can relate to so I also picked one out from Winnie the Pooh um A.A. Milne one of my favorites is that one you love as well yeah I was just going to mention that in fact now I haven't prepared it so I don't have it with me but I'm glad you brought it up I performed it in fact, at my first ceremony. Now, it depends. Are we talking about the same one? Uh, us two. Wherever I am, there's always us two. Is that? Well, the one the one I picked out. Now, you see, the, Winnie the Pooh is so good. Yeah. And I loved it since a child. And actually, I was about to reread them because my mum used to read them to me as a kid. And I, at the minute, I just need comfort reading, you know. And they're one of those stories that you can comfort read. I love reading children's books. Um, but the one I picked out is literally a sentence, I think. And it comes out as... If you live to be a hundred, I want to live to be a hundred minus one day, so I never have to live without you. Oh wow! Which again is it's kind of tragic in a way, yeah. but it's so beautiful, it's so lovely, so romantic, which isn't like me at all. <laughs> it, but it is just so beautiful. I think in its simplicity as well. I think exactly. that's what it is. It just wears its heart on its sleeve, like it's just really, really beautiful. That is nice, yeah. So what what other ones have you picked out? Which are your favourites for doing at ceremony? Okay, right. Well, mine, to be fair, probably are a little bit more flowery. I mean, I had to go. I had to go with probably what I think is one of the most popular readings uh, for ceremonies, I guess. But there's a reason for it. Um, and it is The Bard. So it is Shakespeare. And it's Sonnet 116, Let Me Not to the Marriage of True Minds. Go for it, Connor. We want to hear it. <laughs> okay, here we go. No pressure. <clears throat> Let me not to the marriage of true minds admit impediments. Love is not love which alters when an alteration finds or bends with the remover to remove. Oh no, it is an ever-fixed mark that looks on tempests and is never shaken. It is the star to every wandering bark whose worth's unknown, although his height be taken. Love's not time's fool, though rosy lips and cheeks within his bending sickle's compass come. Love alters not with his brief hours and weeks, but bears it out even to the edge of doom. Oh, see? You are. You're such a romantic, Connor, really. And, um, <laughs> but it's lovely, isn't it? You can't beat a bit of Shakespeare, in fairness. Well, do you know what? And in fact, you've given us two really nice ones, really beautiful. And there is something, I think, to be said for that. Yes, arguably, in this day and age, Shakespeare, probably just that little bit flowery. But it's just the imagery that that piece gives us. You know, how how unshakable love is, how unbendable it is. It's so strong in the face of a storm. You know, it's it's a guiding star. And I think while we age and grow older, love itself won't alter. Um, but as it says, it will keep going till the, till the end of, of days. 
And, and actually, I, I just find it, it's really beautiful. Yeah. Well, you did read it very well, in fact. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, but interestingly enough, when I meet couples now, as I suggest different readings, we go through different pieces, a lot of younger couples wouldn't be as keen on that. So perhaps it's not as, as used as much as it would have previously yeah, been. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? It's interesting almost. Mm. It's not even mm. a fashion, but I think certainly when people think about things they want to use in a ceremony it's it's a reflection on you and what you believe and and what you're about but it's also about what you want other people to hear and what you think your guests will want to hear and I think that is why I tend to veer towards more plain spoken things but um but you know I studied I studied poetry and I studied um Shakespeare and I mean the use as you say the use of imagery the use of language is incredible so yeah i think i think you can have everything can't you You can have a bit of everything you can you can of course you can of course um bob tell me this where do you stand on a little bit of elizabeth barrett browning see we like a bit of browning as well it's been a long time since i read any browning well i'll tell you i came across this one and um and as, as soon as i read it again i think it's that kind of element of imagery as well it's how do i love thee um i think she calls it sonnet 43 i think and again it's just so beautiful. When I read it, I was I was really taken by it. But, um, okay, so I'll share it with you. Here we go. How do I love thee? Let me count the ways. I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach when feeling out of sight for the ends of being and ideal grace. I love thee to the level of every day's most quiet need by sun and candlelight. I love thee freely as men strive for right. I love thee purely as they turn from praise. And then it continues then and it ends with, and I love this. And if God choose, I shall but love thee better after death. Now, there you go. Um, How do I love thee? Sonnet 43, Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Well, I was, I was going to say, it's interesting you, you chose actually two sonnets because sonnets are a very strict form of poetry with 14 lines and very exact. And it's kind of interesting again, isn't it, that they're a, a form that fits well into a ceremony because they're, they're a form of poem that people understand and are used to. Yes, very much so. And, and in fact, as I learned more about Elizabeth Barrett Browning, there is, in fact, something very Bridgerton about her. There was a lot of drama in her personal life. And I actually saw a picture of her. Fun fact, she actually looks like Eloise Bridgerton uh, from the TV series, in fact. Oh, and... you see, I have to confess again, I've not watched it yet. <laughs> I do want to watch it. I, I, I never seem to get on top of these things, to be fair. I'm always last of the party oh listen you'll get there you'll get there um interestingly as well there was something else in fact about uh, elizabeth barrett browning also that really jumped out at me so she'd been writing 200 years ago she spent a number of years in self-isolation and there are letters that exist which she talked about that isolation but her biographer fiona sampson actually suggests that really much of her writing can offer insights into how to cope with isolation and self-isolation as well. So she has some relevance to today's world too, I think. Yeah. I don't, I, don't, I say I, I, I read Browning a long time ago, but it's been, it's been a long time. And it's very interesting what you're saying there about, you know, her writing in isolation 
Um, and I suppose that's part of being in isolation and being locked away, that people think about stuff a lot more and maybe analyse their feelings a lot more and perhaps they're more willing to express them, you know, and certainly through letters or through um, poems or through in whichever way. It's an expression of love that maybe people wouldn't do face to face. So it's, um yeah, I hope it'd be lovely, wouldn't it, actually, to think that this is a golden time the last year that we've all been locked away, that people have been penning love poems to Imagine. each other. Wouldn't that be lovely? That'd Imagine. be great. Although yeah, someone tells me... We, we should have organised that. That'd be great. We could do with some more love poems in the world. <laughs> I think something tells me, though, I think the greatest resource that we'll have from this year, this past year, will be a rich resource of TikToks. The problem was Elizabeth Browning didn't have Netflix. That's the issue. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me, Bob, some books that you have in the Gutter bookshop that might be of use uh, to people, because certainly I think from talking to couples at the moment, they're using this time now to plan their ceremonies and to plan their weddings now for later in the year and into next year as well. So if there are people listening at the moment um, who are using this time to plan their ceremonies, what have you got in store for us uh, in the shop that people might be able to use as resources? Yeah, well, I guess a lot of people come, you know, let's be honest here, a lot of people start by googling wedding readings or something like that to have a look for things that are popular and, you know, the very popular ones will always pop up there and are readily available. Um... I mean, as a, as a bookshop, we have um, some lovely collections of poetry. And I think things like a poem for the day or there are literally um, a, a book of wedding poems or a book of um, poems for funerals. So there's some lovely anthologies. There's also um, there's a great two collections, which I love because they're called Poems to Make Women Cry and Poems to Make Men Cry, um, <laughs> which are great. They're both by Penguin Books and they're actually lovely collections of poetry, some really nice collections. Um, but it's interesting. I, I, you know, we have a huge fiction section in the, in the shop um, of classic love stories, contemporary love stories. Um, and I think people tend to go back to something that they know or something they've read or something that means something personally to them. So in a way, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stand here and say, buy all these books to find a reading for your wedding. I think, I think we've moved on from that kind of world. Um, but I always still think that reading about a love story, just enjoying a book to take you somewhere else, especially at the minute where our heads are full of all this other stuff, reading Absolutely. a book just to, um, take your head out of that space for a minute. And they do say, you know, reading a book is one of the best ways you can relax, even better than yoga, apparently. Who would have thought it? Um, <laughs> Who would have thought it? Reading a book, because your mind just goes into that different zone where it's not worried about what's going on on the news right now. It's, you know, you're away in Spain in the 1960s or you're over in revolutionary France or you're wherever you are in the world or you're, no, you're in a, in a bedsit in London with a poor girl who's lost just lost a boyfriend you know it's kind of it just takes you somewhere else rather than in your own head and I think that's the joy that books do and you know we've been talking about the last year and really and how strange it's been for everybody I have to be honest as a bookshop um, and as a bookshop owner I haven't stopped working since last March Brilliant. because I have spent every day packing and posting books out to people because people want to read you know and yours, yeah. you know as much as all the streamings going on and as much as people are looking at movies and playing games and all of that kind of things, 
let's be honest, there's nothing like just sitting down and reading a good book with a nice cup of tea, you know, and, um, and people seem to want that they need that. And um, it's been it's been hard. Um, you know, it's been hard to, to make it happen. But actually, one of the things I really liked the last year is that feeling of packing up and sending out books to people that will bring a bit of enjoyment absolutely a really hard time absolutely. so um i think you know i think local bookshops and irish bookshops have um have worked so hard during all of this and hopefully yeah. people just carry on supporting local bookshops because that's what it's all about in the end well listen i have to say fair play to you for for keeping the show on the road and, and thank you for doing it as as well i think that's important to say and you know it is wonderful that you're able to keep that show on the road using the postal service and being able to get things out to people because you know like you say it resonates and knowing that it's going to make a difference to their day and their lockdown experience um and look it is a shame that we can't come into the bookshop in person because i i think what you're doing is an essential service and i think it's so valuable i think for all of our collective uh, mental health yeah i i mean i suppose our priority has always been just to keep everybody safe like everybody else is just keeping people safe and it's not been safe so we can't do that mm. um we're lucky that books work through the mail you know you can post yes. a book to somebody quite easily so uh we obviously have gutterbookshop.com um when all of this started we did very little online sales and the last year people have just been so supportive um, ordering through the website and us posting them out to people. It's been amazing. It's been amazing to see. It's been exhausting, but amazing. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So I think ongoing, you know, hopefully soon we'll all be in a situation we can bring people back into the bookshops. As you say, we have one in Temple Bar. We have one out in Dorky and people who loved visiting them. People love to come in for a proper browse to find things. But in the meantime, we have the website, we have the internet, um, and we'll just keep packing and posting and sending them out to people and hopefully bringing a bit of enjoyment to people. Well, look, fair play to you. And, and great to hear. I'm glad to hear you're so busy. Um, Bob, look, I, I think we'll leave it there because I'm conscious of uh, time for you. And, and thank you so much for being so generous with your time. I really enjoyed that. Uh, that was lovely. Um, and like that as well, I, I, I just can't wait for everything to open back up again. And hopefully I'll be able to come in and browse when it's uh, safe to do so. And I'll be looking for something that will give me some inspiration as a, as a celebrant, as I hunt for literature. So, um, so you mentioned mentioned gutterbookshop.com that's the website yeah that's correct exactly and you can just shuffle all the orders through there um and there's a contact page there if anybody's looking for anything specific if you need books for for weddings or celebrations that's the place to get hold of us and we'll send you over a little list oh very good very good that's fab and of course i encourage listeners to head online and check out gutterbookshop.com bob thank you once again thank you so much thank you very much for having me i'll go off and start watching bridgerton's now there you go (laughs) listen you're in for a treat you're in for a treat thank you once again and to you, the listener, thank you for joining me. Uh, if, Of course, if you're planning a ceremony, head online to connorclear.com. You can get in touch with myself if you want any help or advice uh, with your ceremony. But till the next time, do take care, stay safe. This has been The Celebration Sessions. Mm-hmm.